0: Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction patio book series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Book Two Street Candles. Today's installment Chapter Thirty Six. said, turning from Carmi to A Lareda to Ben Roggenston. If we turn over that block to the Baron, without any outside witnesses, we might just disappear, ship and all. He's brought the firepower to do it. It was another officer's meeting, and I was invited. In fact, I'd ask Carmi to call it for me. That'd be piracy, or worse, the chief pilot declared. An act of war. Only if Baron caught... Ben Roggenston said, musingly. I've seen enough over years to not be trusting him. But a full account of our actions will be in the ship's core records, A. Lareda continued. If and when we make it to the next port of call, how do we justify this to the RMA? They answer directly to fleet. Defending ourselves at an inquest is a whole lot better than dying out here, I replied snappishly. If the worst happens, we just swear to root management that we thought we were going to be fired on. With what we already have on record, it would play. "'Are you suddenly a legal specialist, too?' A Lareda asked, through a frown. "'No more than you, and no less.' "'Quite a bit less, I'd expect. As an owner of the ship, I've had to—' "'Yeah, yeah, as an owner, you're endowed with preternatural sight. "'At least I know the limits of my authority.' I am so sick of this," Carmy shouted at last, slapping her desktop in honest frustration. The two of you will get along. I don't care who outranks whom or who thinks he's such a qualified expert it gives him liberty to be rude. We will die out here if we don't pull together. There will not be another argument like this. Am I understood? Yes, ma'am, I said, startled by her volume and tone. "'Of course,' a Lareda nodded. "'We two spoke quickly. Maybe because Captain Maynard was angry, or maybe because we both suddenly realized what we were doing. "'Petulance is a small thing best suited to small people. This wasn't the first time I'd had it explained to me, and I expected it wouldn't be the last.' An oncoming storm outside and the whirlwind of my exhaustion were both easing me into my least respectable traits. And she was absolutely right. Surprising even myself, I turned to Ayla Rada and held out my hand. My apologies, Pause. fresh start. He blinked for a moment, then returned my peace offering. And with that out of the way, we made our plans. Honestly, Ejok, this chase was excessive. We might have had this conversation long ago. You can be a difficult man to trust, Mr. Small. Granted, but you could have been wealthy. My offer was sincere. Can we stop with the could-have-beens, please? I asked, irritated despite my best intentions. I think it's safe to say this hasn't gone the way anyone would have preferred. Do we have a deal or not? I should probably say no. He was looking better than the last time we'd talked, with the facial swelling now down a bit, though other bruises were starting to show. It had been a rough time. He was clearly bolstered by this call, though, which was reassuring. But you won't. If you're the one to hand over the block to the Baron, you're the one who gets the reward. It's a better deal than showing up empty-handed, and it's a bargain for us, too, if you get him to call off his tin dog out there. ''I won't speak for any nobleman, let alone a baron,'' he declared firmly. ''But let me see what I can do.'' His face disappeared, and I was left hoping, a mental state I despised. ''Do you think he'll agree?'' Carmi asked, having monitored the conversation from her office. ''Absolutely. Just like I'm sure he's not going to ask Baron Descu anything.'' If he did, he might get orders to just stand aside and let the big boys handle it. His only chance to come out ahead is to get the block before the Baron does. Maharn has the access code, remember? She can make a copy. She can even alter or delete the original. He'll be thinking of all sorts of sneaky stuff. I don't care what he thinks, so long as he agrees. Captain out. I was left alone with my own thoughts. Small would take a minute or two to decide, then wait an hour or two to make it look good. After that, he'd come back with a big, broken grin. He'd say that the Baron gave him the go-ahead. But there'd be stipulations. He'd demand specific details. He'd lie. Maybe I should have slept in the intervening time, but getting up after the last short nap had been pure torture and I wanted to sim this next part over and over. I wanted my actions to be all muscle memory, so I could look at the guy with the most witless expression possible, even while beating him. He had to assume I was making a play. He was arrogant and quite used to success, but it would be a mistake for him to underestimate Griselda now. A mistake I didn't plan on him making. Once again, we were at VAC, the crew and passengers separated by bubble helmets and nerves. I watched Superior maneuvering closely through external video feeds and got an especially nice view from port docking cams. The boat was close enough to hit with a rock, or a data block, which I'm sure they'd have preferred. Hap Larendel seemed a bit unsure of fine attitude adjustments, but he'd probably never flown that exact model of vehicle before, nor ever expected to. A on our side, was cool and professional, and especially well-behaved after the spanking the two of us had received. I just did my best not to talk to the guy, despite my assumed friendliness, which if I'm going to be completely honest, is about as mature as I generally get. Careful and measured, though both pilots were being, this was, nonetheless, a scary set of proximity maneuvers. The nearness of the vessels aside, uh, you only needed one shaky hand or one misaligned close-in radar unit and you could find your paint job and life must up something fierce, there was the almost certain treachery of the gunboat's crew. It's easy to think the worst of such people, but it can also cloud your judgment. It can make you overthink and miscalculate. I was fighting against this, even while remaining suspicious. Small and Maharn had clear goals and vast ambitions. Hap Larendel was just a hired hand, and he'd hired on to a tough job. It happens. It had happened to me back on Oasis. All this being what it was, fear also stemmed from the other direction. A military attack drone, the like of which I'd never simmed before this day, waited and watched. When we had heaved to to wait for Superior to catch up, the robot slowed, though didn't halt its approach, and always maintained a course along our best jump vector. We had what the good Baron needed. Not just wanted, but what he'd spent an unknowable amount of time, money, and effort thus far to secure. I couldn't even imagine the expense, actually. From his operation on Barlow, to the mobilization of his personal fleet, to the loss of 21 combat drones. He'd be desperate by now, and eager to hold us in place, to end the game. Engines, I called, opening the channel. How fast can we do that move we talked about? Hey, Sherry greeted while checking her screen. She looked a little tired, but cheerful. This was an adventure for her, and she was working with the people she trusted most in life. Maybe someday I'd be among that number, but for the moment I was happy just to see her smile when I called. The drone's pretty much coasting right now. Its course is, uh, what is it? Looks like... Hmm, 88.7 by 18? Yeah, let's go with that. With that course, it will be a full degree on lateral when the time comes. Griselda can do that in point two seconds. So we're looking at a grand total of 1.7 seconds to maneuver behind the gunboat's profile. How are your sims coming? Well, I wouldn't kiss them, I said offhandedly, but they're encouraging enough. You and Gasto might need to adjust thrust rates by hand. "'Can the ship get full Excel on Q? "'Oh, sure. That part's easy. We're ready down here.' "'Okay, then. It'll be on Carmi's command.' "'How, uh, how are you doing?' she asked after a moment. "'She appeared concerned, like everyone was. Like I was. "'But she didn't have her fears pinned to her sleeve. "'I'd come to believe that she could veneer anything with a warm ease if it didn't cut too closely.' I hadn't thought about the two of us since I'd returned, nor was there time for it now. But it was coming, and it scared me as much as the killer machine in our path. Maybe even more so. I'm all right. I could stand asleep for a week, and I wouldn't mind something stronger than nerve blocks, but I've had worse hangovers. Really? She looked amused, and skeptical. Well, no, doesn't matter. Point is, I'm good to go. Look, if there isn't a chance to talk later... She sighed and just shook her head. Your timing, I swear. We'll talk, Ejok, I promise, but... That's the only promise right now. Okay, no, that's fine. I, I, I just want an opportunity to... I don't know. Please don't say explain. You don't need to explain anything. No, no, not explain, I... But Prox was lighting up now, because Superior was just outside. I told Sherry to call her boss and get ready. For good or ill, we were about to start setting the rules. The thought of it was spooky, and nowhere near as empowering as I'd been led to believe by my strategy and tactics coaches. Griselda may have been faster than any other ship in its class. Certainly better than a cheap Marcan. But military drones, the other half of this problem, were in a category all their own. I'd gone over that thing's specs from the database, and they weren't encouraging. With no flesh-and-blood crew aboard, and therefore no need for life support or inertial dampening systems, a drone could dedicate all its power to moving, stopping, and shooting. It could take off like a ship-to-ship missile and halt on a dime. It could target and fire a directed energy weapon several times more powerful than those installed on armored bots lurking on mountaintops, and much more powerful than what Griselda could bring to bear. Our maximum duration of endurance from a direct strike was 2.7 seconds, and that was only along port and starboard where the spray-on armor was best. I could increase that MDE with profile presentation tricks, but only by a few heartbeats worth at most. Now, up close like this, we could take a regular pounding from Superior, since its missiles would be denied any kinetic payload. An MDE of 15 or more seconds. Would it be enough? Would the drone's response be in keeping with what we deduced about the Baron's motivations? It had all seemed so concrete, so inevitable when it was in my head. Now it felt nebulous, iffy, and terrifying. The gunboats just ten minutes out, Aylorada announced. I see him. Carmi, you on? I'm here, guns. Eleven different escape vector options are locked in, ready for auto-implementation. Gasto, do you have a green light down there? Ja is ready. Standing by. Okay, then. Uh, Ejack Mr. Small is calling. He wants to talk to you again. When I break in on the line... I know what to do, Captain. We want him mad enough to shoot. This is it. Ira put him through. There was a pregnant pause that felt like stepping into a dark alley. Then, after a burst of static... Alan Small, the former leader of the secret police of Barlow, former elderly general, former passenger in good standing, appeared in my goggles with his characteristic grin. Oh my, you don't look well, Ejock. You should have at least grabbed some sleep while you had the chance. I did. Yes, I thought you were looking fresh and imposing, Mr. Small. You bounce back fast, but not everyone can afford those kinds of jeans. I did choose well, if I say so myself," he agreed, positively beaming, poisoning my mood, the airwaves we spoke over, and the very vacuum that stood between us. I really hated him. He was just so likable. And you still want me to come across with the data block," I clarified. Well, I miss you. And frankly, the further you're away from the trigger, the better I'll feel. Understandable. I replied matter-of-factly, but command can fire just as easily as I can. We're not standing down. Oh, I wouldn't dream of asking. Hap has weapons ready on our end, too. Let's keep all our sticks and stones out where we can see them, shall we? I nodded simply, then pursued another topic. We received a call from your Baron, well, not him specifically, Admiral somebody or other, He expressly told us not to meet with you, and that you've been ordered not to meet with us. Apparently, doing so will get us both branded as pirates. I just hate the P-word. We're like star-crossed lovers, Ejok. But I don't answer to admirals. How about you? I don't think so, but I could check my contract. He laughed and shook his head. You'll have to tell me who you do work for someday. I shared in his mirth with a really goofy grin. It was easy to laugh around him. <laughs> Griselda pays my wages. <laughs> okay, okay, he chuckled further, letting it drop. Then checked something I couldn't see. Looks like we're almost close enough for a little stroll. See you in, say, 15 minutes? Better make it a couple hours, Carmi broke in. That fresher is backed up in the passenger section again. Get to it, Ejok, if you please. Oops! Okay, Captain, be right there. I'll call you back in a bit, Mr. Small. He stared at me with a wrinkled brow, blinking in perplexment. Then his face changed to a dangerous-looking mix of annoyance and suspicion. Wait! What's going on? Sorry, but duty calls, as the pun goes. What are you up to? My arm's in unscrubbed water soon enough. I really am a steward, you know. Part of my job." "'That can wait! I'm tired of your surprises. I will have Hap fire on your ship if you aren't out of that lock in ten minutes!' "'No, you won't. Talk to you soon.' I cut the line on his sputtering face. Then, on the command channel, I said, "'Well, we're into it now.'" "'He's calling back already,' Ira put in. "'I'll talk to him for a minute,' Carmi declared. Then, after I closed the channel, put any further calls from Superior straight through to Archive. That would get an emotional reaction, which is what we needed. I was about to make some other inane comment on the open channel when alarms sounded all over my board. Graviton spikes from the edge of the system. More entrance cones. They were nearly four light hours off from Descu's ships counterclock and just over three from us. And they all had Ain Fleet profiles six, thirteen, twenty seven, fifty four, ninety, one hundred thirty three, and still they came. Oh God Ailereda fairly shouted. Is it the cavalry or the Huns? That's actually the same thing. I replied, too shocked to stop myself. Ira, pipe the open emergency channel into command, Carmi ordered. Anya, how close is the nearest navigation buoy? She answered something which the captain, at least, understood. Right. Then we'll get an automatic announcement in three, two, one... And a whistling, hailing tone broke in for a full five seconds followed immediately by a deep, imposing, and very artificial-sounding voice. Stand by, stand by, stand by. This is an automated emergency announcement. Official representatives of the Alliance of Interstellar Nations fleet arm have arrived in system. All vessels are hereby ordered to cease star jump preparations and aboard. Repeat, all vessels must halt preparations to leave the star system immediately, and hold for further instructions. Per Alliance Charter, Chapter Seven, Ain Fleet is imposing full flight and interdiction powers over this star system. All spaceborne vessels must comply. Failure to do so will result in military action. Stand by, stand by, stand by. This is an automated fleet emergency used variable throttles on their star jump engines, designed to make micro changes to their graviton cones upon transition to or from extra dimensional space. The actual jump effects were unchanged, but with a sensor system capable of fine-grain detection, the graviton discharges from fleet ships, which included the fact that they were in fact fleet ships, could be calibrated to various standard settings corresponding to various standard recordings stored in the navigation buoys. A settled star system always had a network of these to help in plotting courses, dispersing nav updates, and accurately detecting the primary's gravity shadow. Networks authorized and certified by Fleet itself. The graviton streams, traveling faster than light from extra-dimensional space, hit the buoys. These, in turn, detected the exact frequencies being employed and made the appropriate announcements over standard radio channels. Fleet ships sent first-in messages all across a star system with this method. No waiting on the snail's pace of light speed. It was a simple procedure, and very common in occurrence, shaped and perfected over decades of time and through the collective experience of millions of fleet star jumps, urgent and mundane. Hopping in and out of systems and waypoints over the years, on various ships, I must have heard hundreds of such calls in my career, advising one and all of fleet comings, fleet goings, and all the latest RMA updates but NEVER an interdiction order. That was the stuff of professional legends and owner-operator nightmares. Merchanters told wild tales at station watering holes and over networked social channels of sudden inspections, senseless quarantines, and ghost armadas hovering just out of sight of how a ship carrying someone's cousin or friend or aunt was held up for months under system-wide lockdown and that everyone aboard had had their certs revoked before it was done. Oh, the good Baron was out there, too. I hadn't forgotten him. He had a desperate plan and had brought the power of a nation-state to enforce his noble will. He could wipe Griselda from the black if he so chose but he couldn't unqualify its crew. He could steal our cargo if he had a mind, but he couldn't declare it as unsanctioned or proscribed in the Alliance. He could even kill me personally if that was a thing Barons liked to do, but he could never pull my license to operate. From the point of view of civilian spacers, this made a nobleman from over the border, even one with military might and obscure schemes, definitely not the most frightening power in the system anymore. Oh, this day just gets better all the time, I spat, and no one disagreed. You have been listening to Street Candles, written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com. Or drop me an email at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called i by Trunks and can be found on soundcloud.com. The Street Candles theme is called Undercover by Karsten Holy Moly and can be found on dig.ccmixter.org. This production is otherwise copyright 2013 by David Collins Rivera and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license, feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. Street Candles is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person living or dead or any particular place or situation. Thank you for listening. Take care.